Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A good show for you today. Steve Cerruti of The Ringer will join us. We'll talk some NBA offseason, uh, Knicks, Nets, what they do this summer. We'll get into some draft stuff. So, looking forward to that. Steve does a great job uh, on the NBA. So, excited for that one. Uh, Yankees are off today. Lost last night in Toronto 2-1. to The winning streak comes to an end. Uh, Judge had some tough calls. Boone gets thrown out. Uh, if you go to YouTube and, and Google or, or search the uh, the John Boy breakdown of the Aaron Judge ejection and the Aaron Boone lip reading, uh, it's actually pretty funny where Boone's just screaming, you got to make the bleeping adjustment. And umpire's yelling at him, you, no, you got to make the adjustment. It's actually pretty funny, but... Look, Yanks were due to lose one. That was a tough one because they had their chances. They had their chances late. Like I said, Judge got banged out on a bad call late. Then they called. Um, I mean, they, they, he always does. They always do this with Judge where, you know, I think it was last night. It was a 2-0 pitch inside. They called it a strike. Uh, another pitch below the knees on two strikes. He got called out. So, look, Yankees were due to lose one. Cortez didn't have his best stuff. Still gutted it out. The bullpen continues to be really good. I mean, King is a hell of a weapon. Their bullpen's just so deep. Uh, and so really so loaded. It's funny. The one guy you worry about is the guy who's supposed to be the best one of all, and that's Chapman. I and mean, Chapman's always going to make you nervous. Uh, and, and that's probably going to be an issue at some point, some somewhere down the road, uh, especially in October. You, you just you, at the point with Chapman, and I like Chapman. I've always liked Chapman, but uh, it's really hard to trust him. But other than that, it's a really good bullpen. When you go from King to Holmes to Loisega. I mean, Castro's all over the place, but he throws the ball 100 miles an hour. 
Uh, you know, some of the lefties are pretty good. It's just a really good bullpen. Like we talked about before the season, the reason I kind of liked them as an over is they just they catch a lot better. They're a lot better defensively. And, you know, with baseball, you, you see this a lot where you break a team down, the first thing you do, all right, let's look at their starting pitching. All right, let's look at the lineup. It kind of gets forgotten about, and even I'm guilty of this. Defense, defense is huge. Defense, there's so many hidden runs, whether runs you save or runs you allow. Uh, with poor defense. I think they were 29th out of 30th in defensive run save last year. They were just, look, Torres at short was a disaster. I don't think LeMahieu was healthy. We know Sanchez, his issues behind the plate, and just a lot of upgrades this year. You know, Kiner Falefa is, is an upgrade at shortstop defensively. Uh, you know, they got got rid of Sanchez, Higashiosha, and Trevino uh, have done a nice job. No issues there. Uh, you know, Gallo plays a good outfield. Rizzo, they've had him for the whole year, so... Uh, you know, you move Torres off a of shortstop. Every, the defense is just better all the way around. Donaldson gives you a good glove at third. Rizzo's tremendous at first. So uh, you add that with a pretty good lineup. It's still a good lineup. It's not a great lineup. But look, if, if you're looking around baseball, none of these teams hit. So uh, it's a good team. It's a good team. I don't know that they're going to shake Toronto. I think it'll be uh, a dogfight down the stretch. I think the one team you can kind of – look, I know it's May and there's a million games left – I think you can kind of cross off the Red Sox in terms of being a factor in this division. They just don't have a lot of pitching. They don't have a lot of answers in the bullpen. Uh, they lost a lead last night to Anaheim, or to the Angels, I should say. Uh, they are now, what, let's see, they're like eight back here of the Yankees. And the Yankees have a, let's see, three-game lead on the Blue Jays and the Rays, who are tied with ten losses. Uh, and like I said, the Red Sox are way back. The Orioles, obviously, you can forget about as we look at the odds here. Uh, at Bet Rivers, Yankees plus 125 here to win the division. Co-favorites with the Blue Jays who are also plus 125. Rays plus 360. Red Sox 7-1. Orioles 250-1. to uh, If you want to just get into the World Series odds here at Bet Rivers. Odds to win the World Series. Dodgers still plus 475. Mets plus 750. Blue Jays plus 775. Uh, we'll just call that 8-1. to Astros 9-1. to White Sox 10-1. to Yankees 11-1. to Braves twelve to one, Brewers fourteen to one, Rays fourteen to one, Padres seventeen to one, Giants twenty to one, uh, Phillies and Red Sox both twenty two to one, Angels twenty five to one, Mariners thirty three to one. You, know, you kind of get the point. Um, so look, you know, you you miss probably the better numbers on the Yankees. Do I think they're going to win the division? I probably do. I probably do. But look, uh, you know, this was plus two seventy five just a week or so ago. Now you could still get them at plus money, and a good price is better than. Not getting any price at all if they're going to end up winning it. But uh, you sort of miss the better numbers there with the Yankees, who, uh, like I said, are off tonight. Mets are in action. Uh, seems like the Mets play every day. All these teams play every day. It's weird to see a team with a day off. That's the one good thing about the season getting pushed back is they still play 162 games, but it's crammed. There's you know They just got rid of a lot of the off days, so these teams are playing every day, doubleheaders. I think we had 17 baseball games yesterday on a Wednesday because some of the rainouts... Uh, got made up yesterday, and we just had a million games yesterday. So that aspect of uh, that aspect of it is a lot of fun. Mets also lost to the Braves. Uh, bullpen imploded. That was a nothing nothing game, sixth inning. Boy, that's a tough one if you had the under. Whether it was I think it was seven and a half, eight, something like that, because that's nothing nothing sixth inning. You're in good shape, and boy, you can just never relax with an under, especially in baseball, because uh, you can have an inning like that, and the bullpen just implodes. Adovino got whacked around. I think it was the third day in a row they used him. So a uh, tough one for the Mets. Mets had a chance here to stick the, heart, the the stake through the heart of the Braves and really put them away for good. I know, like I said, it's early. There's a million games left, and you can never say a team is done. 
uh, the first week of May when you got 135 games left and you got five months to play. But if the Mets were able to sweep the Braves here and take, you know, a 10-game lead on Atlanta, 10 games is hard to catch a team when a team like the Mets has really good pitching and just a good team overall. But uh, no harm, no foul. They get a split. You would have liked to get three out of four, but look, I'm sure the Braves would have liked to get three out of four too. So you just take the split, you move on. Uh, it's the first series the Mets haven't won. The Mets still haven't lost the series. They start a four-gamer in Philly tonight. Walker against Nola. Phillies are minus 158 at Bet Rivers. Uh, total seven and a half. Uh, I, it's a tough matchup for the Mets. I would lean towards the Phillies here. That price is just a little high. Mets typically, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you know this. They always hit well in Philadelphia, even though it's not a good pitching matchup for them. Noel's a good pitcher. A little up and down, a little erratic. You know, not as consistent as you like, but he's still a really good pitcher. Uh, Walker, after a really good start, the first half of last year was a disaster. Second half of the year had like an 80 RA. Didn't win a game after the All-Star break. This is after making the All-Star team. He was just a disaster a total pinata in the second half of the season has pitched well so far. You know, he pitched well his first start, I think it was in Philly too, that first week of the season, you know, four or five days into the season where he got hurt, came back and pitched against Philly. So I think this is his third start and all of his starts have come against Philly, which is a weird quirk. Uh, pitched well last Saturday night against him. So he's pitched well so far. You know, you never really know what you're getting with Walker, but it's uh, definitely an advantage for Philly. They're rightfully favored tonight are the Phillies. Uh, Look, I don't really have a play on this game. Like I said, that's a little high. I mean, I don't really want to be laying 160 against the Mets. The Mets have been pretty good to me. Um, I think the Phillies are right to be favored. It's just, boy, $1.60 is a little expensive. Yes, will there be a score in the first innings? Minus 106. If you're looking for a little action, that one's not terrible just because, you know what, small ballpark. Both these teams have explosive top of the lineups. So, you know, maybe you get a quick run there if you're looking for a small bet. Yes, Will there be a run in, uh, in the first inning? Minus 106 at Bet Rivers. Uh, look, the Bet Rivers, they got about 90 options for these games. 36 options for this game alone for Bet Rivers. And it's, look, we're recording this in the morning, so I'm sure more will pop up later in the day with you know pitcher strikeouts, over under. Will this player hit a homer? So go to betrivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app, check that out. Like I said, Mets minus 155 now to win the division at Bet Rivers. Uh, you know, second shot to win the win the whole thing which is great i mean plus 420 to, to come out of the national league and go to the world series that price is a little short for me as high as i am on the mets uh, plus 420 is a little short uh the rest of the nl east braves plus 240 to win the division phillies plus 525 marlin's still 17 to 1 again i don't think they're going to win it but that's a lot of talent for and a lot of pitching for a team at 17 to 1 nationals i don't know how many zeros there are here a lot of them 100 to 1 1000 to 1 i think that's 100 to 1 plus 10,000 Boy, that's yeah. There's a, there's a lot of zeros there. Uh, Hundred to one for the Nationals to win the division. Uh, you can have that. The Nationals are not winning the division. Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer are not walking through that door. That's a bad team. Uh, let's see what the Reds are to win the division. The Reds are now three and twenty-one. What an embarrassment that is. Three and twenty-one. My goodness. Three and twenty-one. Some of these teams are not even trying. I saw Oakland had two thousand people in the ballpark the other night. I mean, it's just—it's really—it's bad for baseball. Some of these teams that are just uh, sort of mailing it in. So that's the baseball. We'll do basketball in a minute. I uh, just want to bring up quickly. Should I bring it up? Yeah, why not? NFL. Uh, Bet Rivers did a good job getting these Rookie of the Year odds up. Uh, some of these are interesting. Let's see here for the NFL, and I should say. After thinking about it, um, 
look, Jets over five and a half. There's going to be nothing but yes. There's going to be nothing but over money on the Jets because there's so much optimism from this draft, whether it's fans, the media. You know, the, the consensus is the Jets hit it out of the park here with this draft. So I think that's going to carry over. And, you know, part of betting is not just what you think is going to happen, but it's where you think the money's going to come in, where the money's going to move. And I just could, I could see a lot of people being high on the Jets. And uh, I could see it. Look, if Wilson has a pulse, they're going to go over five and a half wins. The question is Wilson. Can you get anything out of Wilson? Can you get him to be an average quarterback? Like, I know the division's really good. The conference is really good. But can you get Wilson to at least be competitive? I mean, he was really not competitive uh, for a long portion of last year. So you figure second year, more comfortable. Uh, you know, you get him in the mix and, and see where you're at with Wilson. So I, I would bet the over five and a half now. Now, I'm not crazy about tying up my money for this long because even if this bet wins, you can't cash it till January. So that's an issue. But um, look, this, pro thing, this thing's probably going to be six by the time the season comes around. So if you're going to bet it, bet it now. Uh, again, Bet Rivers has all these season win totals up. Uh, they have division odds. Jets are 20 to 1 to win the AFC East. I would need a little more than that. That's a really good division. Bills minus 200. Patriots plus 420. Dolphins plus 420 as well. Uh, but I mentioned the rookie of the year odds, and good job by Bet Rivers to get these up. Uh, offensive rookie of the year is, let's see, Pickett's the short shot plus 500. London plus 650. Brees Hall, the Jets' new running back, plus 700. Christian Watson, 8-1. Alave, 8-1. So is, boy, a lot of these guys are 8-1. So is Wilson. Uh, Traylon Burks is 9-1. Walker's 10-1. Sky Moore is 12-1. I liked Moore, but I, I thought he was a little higher. So um, the one I really like is Cook, 13-1. That's James Cook, Dalvin's little brother. Drafted by the Bills. I think they traded up to get him. And look, that's a really good offense. There's a lot of opportunities there. Now, the one thing you got to worry about, Allen himself runs the ball a lot. But other than that, uh, look, it, it, Cook can catch the ball to the backfield. There's a ton of touchdown opportunities there. Um, high usage. You know, if you're not going to pick a running back that high, unless you're going to use him, unless you're going to use him. So, uh, Cook at 13 to one to me is interesting. He'll be an interesting player for fantasy. I'm sure he'll go pretty high uh, in everybody's draft. So, James Cook at 13 to one is one that jumped off the page. Defensively, defensive rookie of the year, Quay Walker is the favorite, six to one. Hutchinson's also six to one, as is Thibodeau, the Giants' uh, new edge. Hamilton seven to one, Stingley eight to one, Devin Lloyd nine to one, Trayvon Walker nine to one, Ahmed Sauce Gardner, the Jets corner ten to one, Nicobe Dean sixteen to one, Jermaine Johnson sixteen to one, Jordan Davis twenty to one. The guy I like, George Karloftis of the Chiefs, because he's a really good pass rusher. He's got a chance to make some damage plays, and he goes to a team. Look, the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. They're going to have a lot of leads. And you got Chris Jones, you got Frank Clark. You can't really key on key in on Karloffis. So there's some opportunities there. I mean, he could get, I don't know, say he gets eight or nine sacks, get some, you know, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. Uh, I, I think that's a good spot and a good number. George Karloffis is one uh, I really like at 20 to 1 here at Bet Rivers to win the rookie of the year. So not too far away. Getting excited for football. Starting to look at schedules, starting to look at over-unders, rookie of the year. Uh, Bet Rivers has all these odds up. So not as far away as you might think. Not as far as not as far away as you might think. We're, we're already, you know what, a week or so into May. You go through May, June, July, boom. You hit August, uh, fantasy drafts, Hall of Fame game, preseason. Uh, it's right around the corner. I think we're, what, 100-something days away from the start of the season. So it'll be here before you know it. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Can't wait. But 
Uh, between now and then, we got a lot of great sports between you know, Kentucky Derby this weekend. Baseball teams are both in first place. NBA playoffs. Uh, we got an NBA draft. So a lot of good stuff. Fun time of the year. Uh, coming up next, Steve Cerruti will talk about the NBA draft. Knicks and Nets offseason, who he thinks wins the title. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook, NBA playoffs well underway. NBA drafts really right around the corner. I think we'll find out the lottery here. Usually game one or two of the conference finals, so that's around the corner. And to discuss all of that, somebody I've wanted to have on for a long time, somebody I'm a huge fan of, he is a ringer producer. He is future general manager of the Orlando Magic. He is really the star of Life Advice. If you listen to the Ryan Rossillo podcast, it is Steven Cerruti. Steve, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Great to be here. The star of Life Advice is aggressive. I, most people love Kyle. I just, try to, I just try to pull my weight, but I appreciate the love there. I think it's the efficiency. I just, you just come in, it's you know two, three lines at a time, and it's just you're in, you're out. It's powerful stuff. I, I really, you know, I, I mean that. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if Kramer was the star of Seinfeld. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but it was just, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it was the batting average. It's a high batting average. You can make the same case for kind of Creed in the office where, man, all the lines just kind of hit. Yeah, it's like a, a, I'm a good support role player, right? Who's, yes. the, who's the NBA guy? It's just a, a good glue guy I try to be. Glue, but, yes. Uh, but uh, I'll take that, man. I appreciate it. Uh, let's get right into it. First of all, before we get to the local teams, playoffs here without LeBron, no Durant, a little bit of a different feel. Are you enjoying the playoffs? Do you think this is kind of good for the league to not have LeBron, not have Durant kind of take the training wheels off here? I don't know that it's good for the league necessarily, but I will say what is good for the league is that these two guys, LeBron, you mentioned LeBron and KD, are out, and it still seems like the games are just as exciting. This still seems like the interest level is just as high. So, like, I would never say, hey, like, I don't want LeBron or I don't want KD in the mix. But I think it's good for the league in that, you know, you've got John Morant, who's become, you know, basically just a, a superstar and one of maybe the most fun guy in the league to watch. I mean, last year was kind of Zion. We saw these things. Ironically, they come from the same draft class. But I'm not sure that there's a guy in the league who I have more fun watching on a night in and out basis than Ja. I mean, Giannis is up there too. But and speaking of Giannis, you know, he's his ascension to probably the best player in the league at this point. I mean, you know, it's funny, last year before the title, we're talking about, you know, can he do this on his own? Is the jump shot a problem? He goes out, wins a title, and now he kind of seems like the most unstoppable guy in the league at this point. So now that I haven't even mentioned Luca yet, who's, you know, they're gonna get beat by the Suns, but I mean he's his star is obviously rising and the Suns are probably the best team still alive. And obviously you've got the Celtics who are involved, so it's always gonna be a big fan base there. So I, I think it's been incredible. Um, the only thing that sucks is I just I really wish Embiid was healthy for this yeah. series, man, because I probably would have picked the Heat anyway. But Embiid trying to beat the Heat on his own, we know there's kind of a rivalry there between those two cities. It's kind of a weird rivalry um, between those two cities. And Embiid is like the kind of guy he's like the good villain guy to like go up against this Miami team. And I th I still have questions about this Miami team, by the way. So that's the only thing that I think is a downside. But I've I think it's been absolutely incredible so far. The parry has been awesome. 
if I gave you the odds real quickly, Suns two to one to win it all, Warriors three to one, Heat plus four fifty, Celtics five to one, Bucks six to one, uh, Grizzlies eighteen to one, Dallas thirty five to one, also Philly thirty five to one. If I just gave you a hundred bucks to bet on one of these teams, those are the Bet Rivers odds. Anyone kind of jump out? Anyone you like? You don't like? It's pr- probably the two, probably Celtics and Bucks. I mean, I think okay. the winner of that series is going to be in the finals. I mean, Heat fans might get mad at me because they're a little sensitive. Um, but I, I'm sorry, I just I just don't believe in you know old Kyle Lowry and, and Jimmy Butler, and I, I love Bam, but I just think I just think they are kind of still a flawed team, even though they have the one seed. Like, congrats on that. But I think I, I would still pick Milwaukee and I would still pick Boston in a series over them. Um, probably in six or so. So those two teams, to me, they're going to be in the finals, and then anything could happen. I mean, listen, the Bucks beat the, the, the Phoenix. I think is the best team, and I think if they're healthy, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. But obviously, Milwaukee beat them last year, and this Boston. I mean, that defensive showing last night was epic, epic stuff, man. And I know some of it is Milwaukee. You know, they they steal game one, so like, all right, let's just get back to let's get back home. We we stole home court advantage. You know, that's it's kind of the job well done thing. So maybe there's a little bit of a foot off the pedal situation there for the Bucks. But I, I mean. I continue to be impressed by Grant Williams. That was no Marcus Smart there. So those two teams, to me, are probably your best bet because I think if either of them get there, they can certainly win it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I hate when teams do that. I mean, it's the most predictable thing, and it's good from a betting standpoint because, like I said, it's predictable. You know, the team steals game one on the road. They always, you know, just don't show up for game two. Go, go win game two. Put the series away. You know, now it's 1-1. You didn't win the series. You're just up one nothing. drives me nuts. But, again, a lot of that was the Celtics. I think they outscored them. What was it 60 to nine from three? I mean, it just really kind of uh, outlying, you know, fluke shooting for the Celtics, but that should be a long series. What do you think is the best series? Like NBA, if, if they had their wish, what would you say? Celtics, Celtics Warriors? Is that the best finals? In the final, uh, probably, probably. Yeah. I mean, are, if you're talking about a pure rating standpoint, it's, it's that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be unhappy with a rematch of last year. I mean, I, I think, fun. I think it'd be great. And I, you know, just because I, I like seeing Chris Paul in the mix. And this is like Priscilla rubbing off on me here. But, um, you know, I think he deserves to win a title. I think he's an incredible player. And I think, you know, he gets unnecessarily knocked because he hasn't won a title. Um, obviously, he got there last year. So I, I, if you give me any combination of, I mean, even Memphis, though, like if Memphis somehow snuck in there, like they're they're up there with, you know, the war. I'm not going to say they were like, you know, prime warriors from four or five years ago as far as excitement level but they're kind of there i mean they're a little bit at least closer the closest thing we have to it now where they just have a bunch of crazy athletic young dudes who do not care at all and aren't intimidated by any atmosphere or any player they would be certainly fun but yeah from a rating standpoint i mean celtics celtics warriors would just absolutely kill it'd be a great series I don't know if people could hear it, but that sound you hear is Adam Silver screaming from his office when you mentioned Memphis. You're lucky David Stern's not still the commissioner. He'd have you probably whacked for even suggesting that. But uh, He's still mad that no. my Orlando Magic got in the finals in 2009. So, uh, yes. yeah, we can't have that happen too often. Exactly. Uh, you know, what do you think – you mentioned we mentioned LeBron and Durant. What do you think is kind of next for the next chapter, really kind of the final chapter? Do they have another move? Like if I gave you – over under a half like does either one of them win another title for Durant LeBron do they have another move you know do they stay put and kind of reboot these super teams do they move on somewhere else what do you think the next chapter looks like for these two guys so I'll take LeBron first I've I've talked to a few people about this like my theory about LeBron is I I just don't know like okay I, I think he has to stay in LA like I don't know where else he could theoretically go that would make a ton of sense um because if you're like if you're another young star, like if you're a Jason Tatum, not that you ever go to Boston, or if you're Giannis, or if you're Luca, why do you want to play with LeBron? 
Like you don't need LeBron at this point. Like you're like he's because he's and this isn't a knock on LeBron, but like he's gonna come in there and he's gonna basically be the sun that everybody else orbits around, right? And I don't think I'm almost wondering if LeBron's running out of running mates to to win titles with at this point in his career because all the guys that are his age are are either basically on the last legs of their career or they're already retired. I mean, Anthony Davis is kind of that perfect guy because he's he was always he just always kind of felt like a number two to me. He needed somebody else to be the alpha. And I think he was the perfect number two for LeBron. But I have some serious questions. I think everybody does about his, his health, his future. I mean, he just looks too big and bulky. I don't know if he can stay healthy. He seems to have changed his game a little bit too much. He's much more perimeter oriented. He's horribly inefficient from the perimeter too. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to doubt LeBron and you never, I, but here's the other thing too, is I don't see LeBron in his like the late part of his career. I don't see him championship chasing. Like I don't see him being, you know, David West or Gary Payton or Carl Malone at the end of their careers where they're just hot on some of the title favorite teams just win another t- win their first title. I think LeBron knows that that's not actually a good look for him. It's actually better to probably not win one of those titles than to be like a passenger on a really great team. So I think LeBron's in a really weird spot because the Lakers and, and part of that is he and Clutch's fault as much as they don't want to necessarily admit that. But they've made some horrific errors, and the Westbrook contract is really going to hold them back and hamstring them unless they can murk some magic this summer, which I, I you never know. If you don't want to say anything's untradeable because, I mean, you know, Gilbert Arenas got traded for Rashard Lewis back in the day, and we both called those untradeable contracts. Anything is possible, um, but you're going to have to attach assets to, to, to get rid of Westbrook, and I don't know if they want to do that because LeBron's not going to be around playing in 2027, 2029 that we think. So I, LeBron, I, I'd have to say, man, I'd have to say the under on him and then if go moving to Kevin Durant, just because I I still think that Nets team, if they can get some more guys around him, some some you know, some veterans, some mid-level guys, uh, maybe a couple of trades, get some guys healthy like Joe Harris. And if they can just rehabilitate Ben Simmons, like I'm still kind of on the I think Ben Simmons can provide value to this team, even though it looks horrible right now. I still think if you put him in that third, fourth wheel role, he doesn't have to do a ton. Some secondary playmaking duties. You're not asking him to do anything on offense and just be a menace on defense like he was in Philadelphia. I think I think Brooklyn can come back next year and 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 prop and possibly make the finals in the Eastern Conference. Like I think Kevin Durant is young enough to do that. And I think Kyrie, you know, we're going to be further away from the whole New York, you know, whatever their restrictions are. Um, so I, I I I'd say I'd give Kevin Durant a better chance than LeBron at this point. But it's one of those things where I just never want to doubt LeBron. But but but. You know, I guess going to my head, I'd say KD over the Bronx gets one more. So you think one of them wins one? I, yeah. See, I don't, I don't know, and I don't know where Durant's at. I mean, he's had just a, a strange career arc. You know, does he stick it out in Brooklyn and just try to retool with Kyrie? Does he try to get another running mate instead of Kyrie? Doesn't seem like it. Seems like him and Kyrie are pretty much attached. I think they're married. Yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think Kyrie's going anywhere, and I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that's I think they've sort of they've sort of made this bed together, and they're going to have to figure it out. I don't, I don't think he leaves. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. If he never wins another title, and his only titles are the Golden State ones, and look, he played great in those games. But boy, if those are the only titles for him, that's uh, that's going to be a knock on him. It's just going to be. Well, it's funny. I I went from you know I, I like most people. I obviously hated the move to Golden State. I thought it was a weak move, and like it's obviously his right to go and play there, and he won titles. That's good for him. Like you know, do you? But I, I we you know we have the right to criticize and talk about how much those actually how you know how much they actually meant. But I, I'm all, I've almost done a 180 on KD where I'm like almost a little bit more sympathetic, even though I realize that he is the creator of his own problems. Like he is lying in the bed that he made with Kyrie. But that Nets team just was not very good. And if you only go to a year ago, 
you know, he was a foot on the line away from beating the Bucks and potentially being in the finals and potentially winning it. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible for them and impossible for him. I just think they need to kind of retool that roster a little bit. You know, this year was obviously crazy with all the Kyrie stuff. I think I think it's possible for them to figure out a little bit more and come back next year and be a really, really dangerous team. Um, you know, the only thing is Boston's probably going to be better next year. I would imagine that, the, you know, Milwaukee's not going anywhere anytime soon. So there's definitely a lot of competition in the East. But I, I wouldn't, I'm just not going to write it off yet. I think, I think the Nets are still dangerous. Yeah, um, it, it's funny. It's less than a calendar year because the playoffs, remember the first round was a little later last year. The yeah. season was pushed back. It's less than a year ago. They're just destroying Boston. Kyrie stomping on the logo. They're beating Boston by a million points. And then a few minutes into that Bucks series, you know, Harden gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. I think it was in game four. Uh, I mentioned Adam Silver. I think if you gave Adam Silver true serum, he's got to be happy this ultimately didn't work with the Nets because they're kind of everything that's wrong with the league. You know, Kyrie and Durant team up. Harden demands his way to Brooklyn. Uh, they, you know, they load manage. They play when they want to play, that kind of thing. I, I think this not working out for the Nets, and it's crazy that it hasn't worked out and it's worked out this poorly. I think, you know, it, it's a really good thing for the league, and I think if you gave Adam Silver true serum, he'd be happy it's kind of gone this way. We went through this era of, you know, it was sort of the Celtics, obviously the original big three, then LeBron creates his big three, and then obviously KD goes to Golden State, KD goes to um, Brooklyn, and it's like, all right, all these superstars have to team up with each other and they have to leave their their teams and they have to figure it out and basically be de facto GMs, player GMs. And But the, the last couple of years, we've kind of seen a complete reversal on that, which, you know, you've got the Grizzlies, which are organically built. Yes, they've had some lottery luck, but they've also been incredible at drafting guys late in the first round. Um, and their scouting and development department is probably as good as it is in the NBA right now. They're like the old Spurs where they just... Underrated, like, they, every, yeah, underrated. Everybody they, yeah, everybody they bring in, they hit on. And then, obviously, Boston is organically built. Um, for the most part, Milwaukee is organically built. Even Phoenix. I mean, all, they added Chris Paul, which is obviously a huge key. But, you know, most of the rest of that roster, Bridges, Aiton, Booker, obviously, were all drafted homegrown guys. We're seeing this sort of shift back to that. And I still think that is the best way to, to team build. Um, now, you have to be confident. And you have to be good. You have to trust your scouting department. You obviously have to have a little bit of luck in the lottery as well. But I still think that, that is the best way because so many teams, you know, it's like, all right, we're going to try to get cap space, right? And then they end up striking out. Look at the Knicks. I mean, <laughs> the Knicks have struck out year after year with cap space. And they're finally like, let's just build a team that's like somewhat competitive and see if that works and then try to build it that way. And I respect the hell out of them for that because I think that's the way they're going to turn it around. So, yes, you're right. I think, um, you know, we've, we've kind of seen like these guys team up. But I think I think the future is back to sort of homegrown teams and these teams that build up continuity over two, three years and and really hit the ground running. And we've seen that in playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And, and you mentioned the Knicks. It's a perfect segue. Uh, you know, them taking a step back this year is probably the most predictable thing to ever happen. Last year was a total fluke. You know, the bubble, uh, coming off the bubble, all these teams were hurt, resting, you name it. The Knicks just, look, they weren't in the bubble. If they weren't hurt, they didn't have any superstars to rest. They just played hard every night and, you know, somehow uh, made the four seed, took a big step back this year. Uh, I guess my question with them, do they get impatient? Do they do what the Knicks do and try to cash in? you know, these assets and, and consolidate and try to get a star, whether it's Mitchell. I don't know if Zion's on the in the mix anymore. Do the Knicks uh, sit here and get antsy and try to cash this stuff in and, you know, go big game hunting this summer, do you think? I think they have to at least figure out what it would cost to ask about Don. Now, the thing with Donovan Mitchell is that it's almost like you're buying him at a low point now. Like, he had kind yeah. of a tough playoffs. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that – Utah is going to give anybody a discount, but it certainly would be easier to get him out of there than it probably was the year before. 
Um, I think he's an incredibly flawed player. I think he's an incredibly talented player. I don't think we saw the best of him in that series. I think that Jazz team is just kind of over it, and they don't like playing with each other, to be honest with you, anymore. So maybe there's some of that in there. The Knicks can say, hey, we get him in our building. Like He's in New York. He wants to be here. He's the dynamic kind of like scorer that we need. We've got a lot, a lot of other role players around him. The problem is, like, you know, are Knicks fans ready to give up what it would take to get him? You know, are you ready to give up R.J. Barrett? Because I don't understand why the Jazz would make that deal without R.J. Barrett in it. Um, and even probably some other, a couple other of their prospects. So I, I think I would, I mean, I, I've always kind of been a Barrett apologist. I like his game. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. I think he could be maybe a two, probably a good three on a really good team. Um, but I think if you have the chance to bring in like a dynamic scorer, a guy who's a all NBA guy, a guy who's an all-star, um, who is not even probably in the prime of his career yet, I think you kind of have to do that with Donovan Mitchell, um, even if he's not the perfect player. And then you sort of start turning, you know, like once one guy goes, dominoes sort of fall. Then other people want to come to New York because you guys are good, right? We saw that kind of last year, um, although it all sort of fell apart. But I think people, that's how you have to turn it around. They seem like they at least have some competency, you know, with World Wide West and Leon Rose there to some degree, although it's been very disappointing this year. So I, I would kick the tires on a lot of few different guys around the league, see what the price is. I'm not saying you have to do it. Um, but the problem is they're kind of in the no man's land draft area this year and they, unless they get lucky in the lottery. So they have to see there. But Donovan Mitchell's a guy. I mean, I'd, I'd call on Carl Anthony Towns. They're, you're going to get a no, but he's another guy who had a pretty kind of a disappointing playoff. No showed a few times. He seems like a very Knicks type player too. Like he just, yeah, he I don't does. know why. I just can see, I can see Carl Anthony Towns in a Knicks jersey. Um, you know, like your Bradley Beals, the world, those other guys. Like I would stay away from those guys because I just think they're too far along in their careers, and I don't, honestly don't think they they're really that good enough for you to really change your fortunes. So. Yeah, I think the Knicks should, should call around, see what's available. They don't have to do anything drastic, but if there is a, a deal that they feel like they can get a guy like Mitchell or Cat in the prime of their careers, I think they go for it. I think you hit the perfect phrase, no man's land. You know, you could go all in and trade for Mitchell. Okay, you, you made a good point. You got to get – before you can get two or three guys and win a title, you got to get one guy. But, like, you know, what does Mitchell bring you? If he's your best player, like, what does that do for you? And it's not like – you know, the East of the past where, you know, you get a player like Mitchell and you're automatically a four or five seed. The East mm -hmm. is kind of good now. The East is kind of deep. You bring in Mitchell and if you have to give up a lot to get him, I don't know where that puts you. It's kind of kind of in no man's land. Yeah, I mean, I, Knicks fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I, I think you could find R.J. Barrett. You know, as much as I like him, like I'm not, I don't know, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that a guy like Donovan Mitchell with his dynamic scoring ability, like I, I think one, Knicks fans I think would love him. Uh, with the way he plays, how exciting he is. He's a Mets I fan, think, too. I think he's from the area. Oh, there he's from he, Connecticut, yeah, is he from Connecticut? That's right. I was going to say, he is. is he from Connecticut? So, shouts out. There you go. He can come somewhat back home. They, they got to play the Carmel, Carmel Anthony coming home tune again. That's right. Um, even though he's not technically from New York, like both of them. But uh, but I, I would still do that. And here's the thing. If you're a middle-of-the-road East team, you're still better off than you are now. Just figure out. See if you can build on that. See if other disgruntled stars might want to come. You know, I think I think you, you can't do it all in one summer would be my thing. Like You have to, you have to build this thing and gain some momentum. And if that momentum is adding a, a potential all-NBA guy, I think you kind of do it. And, you, and yeah, as much as you like R.J. Barrett, he's a homegrown guy, and he's, you know, a guy that's easy to root for, I, I think long and hard about it. Because, again, your ceiling is just higher with a guy like Donovan Mitchell. And at the end of the day, like, you're probably the Hawks, right, with um, with with, uh, with Donovan Mitchell. You know, basically, he's your version of Trey Young. Like, yeah, you might be a little top-heavy with one guy doing a lot of different things, but at least the Hawks are interesting. At least they're a perennial playoff team. And I think that's what the, what the Knicks should strive to be at first. couple quick ones before we get you out of here. The draft. Is there a lock number one pick? Is it team dependent? Uh, is, is there a guy you think should go one versus who is going to go one? Give me your thoughts here on the draft and 
Uh, let's just say the Knicks here, you know, get between the seventh and tenth. They actually had a nice little winning streak at the end that might cost them some some draft capital here. Who would make sense at the back end of the draft? Give me your thoughts here quickly, uh, just on the draft. Well, number one, I think you you said it, it's. I think it's dependent on who gets the first pick as far as who goes one. I know people that love Jabari. I just get a little bit nervous about a guy who is not much of a playmaker that you're taking him with the first pick. Um, I, I, I love him as a number two on a team. Like, if he went to Detroit and was he and Cade, I think it's a perfect fit, right? Um, but if he has to be the guy, I you know, I think I think it's a little bit different. I like my guy to be a little bit more well-rounded. But again, I think you could do worse than him. I would go Chet, number one. Like, for example, if the Magic had the first pick, that's my squad. Um, I would take Chet just because, one, I would be bummed if he turned into the possible player that he could be. Like, I, I think he could be, like, a top five watch in the league. That's how exciting this guy is. Wow. I'm not I'm not as worried. Just because, just because of, I mean, not only is he kind of, you know, pretty crazy skilled offensively. He's a seven-footer who could put the ball on the floor. He can play make a little bit. He's a good shooter. But also, like, his defensive prowess is pretty impressive. Like, he's not a great individual one-on-one -on -one defender, but with blocks and help defense, like, the guy is just a freak. And, you know, I think you can kind of get away with being a little bit skinnier in today's NBA. Like, five, ten years ago, yeah, sure. Like, that guy would get eaten, you know, he would get his lunch money taken every day. But I don't know. I think it's like kind of a little easier in today's NBA to be a little more slight and be a little bit more skilled. Um, and still make an impact uh, on the league. So I, I think it's very team dependent. And then when you go down to the Knicks, you know, if, if they end up staying in their spot and they're picking, you know, what is it, around nine or 10, I think, in the back end of the lottery, you know, I, I really like Matherin, the kid from Arizona. I think he'd be a great fit. I think Knicks fans would love him. He plays yeah. hard. I almost wonder if his stock is going to rise too much and he ends up going like a little bit higher. Um, but I just think like you get that guy in the building and he's sort of like a tone changer and that like the way that he works and how hard his work ethic is and sort of, you know, how hard he plays on the court. I know Stanford Steve, that's like his favorite player, I think, in college basketball last year. So I, I always trust him on stuff like that. Um, I know a lot of people like Sochan, the kid from Baylor as well. So I think there's there's options there for the Knicks. Um, you know, I'm not a huge uh, – um, I'm not a huge uh, – Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray, I just feel like I, I don't, I, it depends where you take him. If you take him higher in the lottery, like around four or five in that range, I don't know. Maybe if he drops to the Knicks, I, I kind of like his upside, the kid out of Iowa. He's a pretty versatile player, kind of a late bloomer. But um, I think there are plenty of players that the Knicks could take. I just think they have to take BPA. Don't worry about fit. At this point, get the best guy in the building and figure it out later. Yeah, totally with you. Would you classify this as a good draft, a deep draft? Uh, you know, how would you kind of sum up this draft? Um, I think it's an interesting <laughs> I think big question mark. Like I think they're like even we haven't yeah. even talked about Paula, who I think, you know, I the only my only issue with Paula, like I think he's the most NBA ready, but I just wonder about his ceiling. I wonder, you know, wh who is he in the league? That's what I keep asking. I asked this to Kevin O'Connor, who's our draft guy at the Ringer. I'm like, you know, how many like power forwards are there that do what he does that that really impact winning? That are like the best player on their teams that could be number one on a championship team type player. I don't know that that like position is that valuable in the league, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overthinking this thing and just say, "Hey, this guy can do a little bit of everything, and he has no weaknesses. He's a great athlete." But I just don't know that his body type and like who he projects as a player, like if his upside is Julius Randle slash like Blake Griffin, I, I I don't know that that's a guy that you take first overall. You know, so so he would scare me a little bit. So I think it's a fun draft, and I think I think a lot of it's going to depend on fit too. Like I think wherever Chet goes and whether or not he succeeds or not, it's going to be a lot on 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 the fit of whatever team drafts him. Um, I think Jabari will probably be fine no matter where he goes, but I think, you know, I think he's a pretty safe pick, but I don't know what his upside necessarily is. Um, so all in all, I think there's a lot of good players. There's a lot of intrigue. I mean, even Shaden Sharp is a guy that I know a lot of people like that he didn't even play at Kentucky this last year. Jaden Ivey is another guy that people like, but 
he's like a little bit of a gunner, um, kind of like a Donovan Mitchell type where he's just like, you know, good athlete, good yeah. scorer, but what else does he bring? So there's a lot of intriguing guys like that. Um, and I think it's all going to depend on fit come, uh, come the draft. Yeah, Ivy had a strange game against St. Peter's too, but he's hot and cold, and he uh, it's just yeah. some bad turnovers. Really, kind of an up and down player, but super talented. Uh, you have to go. I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. You did a great job. Let everyone know where we can find your work. Yeah, no, I'm uh, Ron Silipod at the Ringer. Um, find me at Sarudi on Twitter. Um, and uh, and yeah, appreciate you having me on. Do you have a lucky outfit for the uh, lottery night? I think that's like a week or so from now. It can't be more than a week or two away. Do you have any superstitions? Are you gonna, any like prayer circle? Anything to try and get your magic the, the number one overall pick? I mean, they've had such so Horrible. they've been so unlucky the last few years. After you know, you get Shaq, you get you know, obviously the the, the Chris Webber, then Penny draft, right? And then they get Dwight, and they've had so much luck. And then the last probably fifteen years has been horrific. Uh, so I guess whatever the opposite of what I was doing, maybe I'll, <laughs> who knows, maybe I'll have to go out to a bar or something because I always watch it at home. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know the lottery odds change, so it's kind of less likely that they are, I think, you know, they, they have the top three odds. So they have at least one of three best chances to get the first pick, but I don't know. I have no confidence. I assume they're going to be picking like, you know, five, six or seven. Steve, appreciate you coming on, man. Enjoy all your work. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Steve Cerruti. We'll be back tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.